James Harden's going to sign their extension. His trade value is not there. And when you hear reports... Wilson paid $16 million of his $33 million salary. I know about people that have certain clauses what in their contract. What happens next year with Giannis Antetokounmpo? He will be eligible for a Supermax next summer. If he re-signs a new reality, the players are going to move around and the players are, are, are not going to want to spend their whole you know, life. And because they didn't want to go into the penalty of the luxury tax, they traded James Harden. Somebody's going to be making $50 Find a home. So, he probably could have made a little bit more money this summer in free agency. I think agency. he could have got a lot more in the offseason. Wow. You got a chance to secure the bag. You got to No question. What's going on, party people? I am your host, Stephen Bagel, and this is Sports Ethos's very own The Bird Reds Podcast. With me today, we have a very special guest, Trevor Lane, the host of the Lakers Nation podcast and the NBA front office podcast. So, Trevor, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for thanks for having me. I, I'm missing NBA basketball, but it's right around the corner. So I, I at least have uh, something to look forward to. We are as of this this recording, we are four weeks away from the Lakers returning for preseason. So I'm getting excited about about that. It's like it's pretty close, but it still feels kind of far away. I'm getting fired up, though. Yeah. And it's that part of the year where, you know, usually you have free agency and the draft and then we have summer league. This is just the part of the year where it's like, yeah, we did get a Donovan Mitchell trade, but not a whole lot else is typically going on at this time of year. Well, we had three really abnormal off seasons in a row here. I mean, when we had the two COVID shortened summers and then we got back on track for this one and then the Kevin Durant thing happened and that pushed back a lot of the business that normally would have been done second or maybe third week of July. Suddenly we had a Donovan Mitchell trade happening you know, towards the end of August. And that's that's the kind of stuff that that wouldn't typically happen during NBA offseason, but the length of the offseason is back to the the normal or back to yeah. the norm, which has been an adjustment because we had two very short offseasons, which was which was kind of nice not having such a long gap of no basketball. Yeah. And you know that that's what we talk, that's what we do, that's what we talk about, and that's basketball. So Trevor's with me today. As you guys know, I've been doing my team offseason reviews slash team previews for this upcoming season. So Trevor's with me today to talk about the Lakers. Um, as most of our listeners know, the Lakers just did make a trade. So let, let's start with that. The Patrick Beverly um, for Taylor Horton Tucker swap. So, I mean, that definitely, uh, in my opinion, helps the Lakers. Taylor Horton Tucker at this point. I don't really think, I, I, nothing wrong with THC. I think he's actually going to thrive on Utah because he's the type of guy that needs a ball in his hands. So I, I just wouldn't really consider him a LeBron teammate, especially when you have LeBron and Russell Westbrook on the same team. So Trevor, how do you think Patrick Beverly is going to fit? And do you think that's going to make a Russell Westbrook trade more likely, less likely? What do you think? Well, the Lakers have maintained that it has no bearing on whether or not they trade Russell Westbrook, that it was about getting Patrick Beverly. And of course, that's going to be their, their stance. I think it makes it more likely. It has to, to some degree, because there's going to be those questions about whether or not they can actually play together given their history. And then the fact that they play the same position. I mean, now you are a little bit more insulated in taking back a non point guard in a Russell Westbrook trade, because you've got Patrick Beverly that can step in there potentially into the starting lineup. Overall, I do like the deal for the Lakers. I think they did a nice job getting a three and D style player. Now, Patrick Beverly's three point percentage may have dipped a little bit below what people would have hoped last season, but still, he is the type of player that you tend to find success with when you put them alongside LeBron James, guy who can defend like crazy and knock in an open shot 
when it's available, which they do tend to be available when LeBron's on the floor, when Anthony Davis is on the floor. So it makes sense skill set wise. Always hurts to give up a 21 year old to get back a 34 year old. That's usually not a winning proposition, but I understand what the Lakers were thinking here. Stanley Johnson being in the deal was actually my biggest issue with it because I think the Lakers have a lack of wing depth right now. And this just makes that a bigger problem, not having a guy like Stanley Johnson to defend some of the bigger wings in the NBA. So I didn't like him being kind of the throw-in salary piece there. Would have preferred to see like a Wayne Gabriel in the mix there as a more of a four or five. You need guys that can defend the three, particularly on this Lakers team. And Stanley Johnson could do that. But again, understand why the Lakers did it. Don't have a problem with it. I think from their perspective, they saw Stanley and THT as guys who were going to be on the outside looking in of the rotation. So in their mind, they traded two perhaps non-rotation guys for a guy who could be a starter at the very least, a key contributor off the bench in Patrick Beverly. And that makes a lot of sense given where they're at. Yeah. So now that that trade is um, in the books, let's just quickly talk about the Lakers cap situation. So at this point they have 13 guys under contract. I don't really, um, obviously a Russell Westbrook trade is the one move they could really make, but it, how the Lakers have been constructed the past, uh, at this point, I, suppose two three seasons now is the three max guys on deals with lebron ad and then obviously westbrook and then 12 basically they spent the taxpayer mle on kendrick nunn and then they had 11 minimum guys so basically what i'm trying to get at is in 2023 24 so westbrook's on an expiring deal are they i mean here's my first question before we get into the potential trades are you, as a Lakers fan, writer, are you willing to attach those two first-round picks at 27-29 that everyone in the media is talking about? Or do you think, I mean, again, Westbrook's expiring. Would you rather just, you know, it, it's unfortunate to have to waste the year on LeBron and AD than really go for it when LeBron's 38 years old? But, I, I mean, what's your stance on that? Are you willing to, I know LeBron said, I'm looking at who was 27 picks. I'm looking at who's 29 picks. He said he's willing to trade those picks, especially in that was back when Kyrie Irving was available. So what's your opinion? Do you think they're best off trading, if not one, not if not both, then one of those picks in order to get off an expiring deal? Yeah, I mean, I think that they're in a really interesting situation and in that in theory, I'd be, I'd be open to trading both of those picks depending on the return. I mean, that's the whole thing here. It's if it's, if you're telling me you're getting back Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson, no, then there, then there's zero chance that you'd be willing to move those picks because you have to get stuff that's going to move the needle. Kyrie Irving would have at least given you a puncher's chance. Should you run into one of these superpowers in the Western conference uh, in, in the playoffs, Kyrie, LeBron, AD, that might be enough to get you through. The question then becomes is buddy healed and miles Turner enough is, is a combination of Conley and Malik Beasley and Bojan Bogdanovic is, is right. Is, is, is all of that enough. And so that's where the Lakers have to decide, you know, it's not so much is the value there. Are these guys worth two picks is does giving up all of our future flexibility essentially, because you can't make another move for the entire season using a first round pick because you don't have any more, you, you don't have any more that you can trade. So is that enough to get you where you want to go? And that's really the concern from the Lakers side of it. I think you can argue that there's some deals where if you were to make some tweaks here, if you were to get a team to say, hey, we'll do it for a first and a couple of seconds. Okay, at that point, yeah, it's probably worth making the move because LeBron, look, 
He's 37. He's not 27. If he was 27, this would be a different conversation. But at 37, going on 38 in December, you know that the clock is ticking. You can't just – the assumption is that if you bring Russell Westbrook back, the season is over before it started. It's, yeah. it's done. You're dead in the water. You're done if Russell Westbrook's back on the team. And it's not just Russ being – not good as a basketball player or whatever. There's a lot of people out there that want to just pile everything on Russell Westbrook. I'm not one of them. He didn't have a good season. Uh, he's not a good fit with the Lakers. And there's a lot of reasons why they should move him. But I also think that he can be better than what we saw last season. I don't think it's a true indicator of where he is as a basketball player. But it's the salary. It's the amount of space that he eats up and the lack of production that combined to create a really difficult situation to, to win with him on the roster where he's not fitting and he's not quite the guy that he used to be. So I think the Lakers, if there's nothing out there, if all they're going to do is get fleeced in a trade, then there's no point in making a move. Bring Russ back. Darvin Ham, try to work your magic. If you can get something to work, then great. Then you move forward with that. But if there's something workable there, if there's something that at least gives you a shot, at least makes you better this season without completely depleting your future assets or bumps you all the way up to being a contender. I think you at least have to be open to it because I don't think anybody wants to go through what the Lakers, what Lakers fans went through last season. I've said it many times. That was the worst season in Lakers history by a lot, not in terms of record, but in terms of the fan experience, in terms of how enjoyable it was to watch the games. That was miserable. No one wants to go through that again. So, uh, again, I brought up the fact that they had the three guys on max contracts and basically all minimums. Uh, I bring that up because let's say a Westbrook trade doesn't come to fruition. At that point next year, going to the offseason, Lakers would have $91 million in committed money to LeBron, AD, Max Christie, and I believe Damian Jones is guaranteed. Is that, do you know if that's... He's, he has a player option for next season. Okay, okay. So then the cap sheet I'm looking at, okay. So then they actually have a little bit more. They probably have 80... 88, 89 million for three guys. So that really gives them a max cap slot to go after Kyrie Irving or in the alternative next year's free agent class isn't that great. But let, let's say they do bring on Kyrie, then they would have what? The room exception. They, they would have more to work with than just the three max guys and the rest minimums. So, I mean, I know it's not ideal, and I know I'm reiterating what you just said, that, yes, LeBron is 38. If Anthony Davis is healthy this year, you definitely don't want to waste a year of him being healthy either. But the Lakers aren't as hamstrung as, you know, it appears. Yes, Westbrook is a very inflated number at what it is, but it is expiring. So that's why I think I would be hesitant one of the picks, sure, if the Jazz won. Mike Conley, I believe, has like $8 million, $10 million guaranteed next year. So um, that's why I'd be hesitant to take him. But let's yeah, say, I think it's yeah. 14, out of, 14 out of the $24 yeah, million sounds, that, that he's got. That sounds about right. Um, so that's why I'd be hesitant because Mike Conley wouldn't need my cap space. But if you could do like a Bojan Bogdanovich and Malik Beasley or Bojan Bogdanovich and Jordan Clarkson giving up one of those picks, sure, I would do it. Miles Turner and Buddy Heald are giving up both of those picks. I think is that feasible just because Buddy Heald's going to eat into that cap space and then Turner could theoretically walk for nothing anyway. So just to preface that, is there any specific Westbrook trade that you can think of? I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here that would really, you know, make sense or is it just what's been out there? I think when you factor in the empty roster spot charges of just having LeBron and AD and and Mm -hmm. Christie on your roster, 
they wind up being a bit short of a Kyrie max. Um, mm-hmm. So that's something that you've got to factor in for next season too, is okay. if Kyrie's saying, Hey, I want my max, man, I want like 45 million. You probably can't get there anyway. You could get to a lower tier back. You get to about 30 million or so, but in any event uh, of the, of the Russell Westbrook trades, the ones I, I am intrigued by what Miles Turner and Anthony Davis could be as far as a defensive duo. The more I dig into that, the more I really like it. I just pulled the cleaning the glass stats, uh, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, on um, Miles Turner. He's in the 95th percentile at his position at preventing shots at the rim and in the 88th percentile at his position at presenting sh- preventing shots from three. He forces a lot of mid-range shots. You combine that with Anthony Davis, who can do similar things as well. That could be a very, very dynamic defensive duo. Of course, you've got some injury concerns with that. But if you were to figure out some way, that would probably be the top of my list. If I could figure out some way to get one first round pick, about a few seconds, maybe a pick swap, something like that, something short of giving up both firsts and get the Pacers to pull a trigger on a Buddy Heald, Miles Turner deal. I'd be willing to do it, knowing that you probably still can't quite get to that full max level for Kyrie Irving next season anyway. Buddy Heald's money would eat into your cap availability. But you're going to run into some similar problems too with the Utah trade anyway. If you can get if it's Bogdanovich, he's expiring. Mike Conley, like you said, he's got some guaranteed money on the books. You've got mostly players that are going to eat into that room for the next season, Jordan Clarkson. So I think there's some pluses and minuses to both of the deals that we've been talking about. This is pretty much what everybody's looking at. It's pretty much it's down to Indiana, Utah, in some sort of a Russell Westbrook trade. If the Lakers can get either one of them to say, we'll give you X, Y, and Z in exchange for one first-round pick, Okay, you, you probably do it. If you can't, if they're digging their heels in the sand and saying, nope, you guys are desperate. We need both first, unprotected. Give us all that. I probably just roll into the season and say, Darvin Ham, let's see what you can do before we pull the trigger on something like this. So speaking of Darvin Ham, well, we'll get back to trade talk in a minute, but what 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 do you, what's the opinion of him? I mean, the Lakers seem pretty high on him. He was a very well-regarded assistant. He's been a candidate for a head coaching job for at least the last three to four seasons. So uh, what does he bring that is different from what Frank Vogel brought? So Frank Vogel is a very collaborative head coach where he's the guy that wants everybody in the room to have a voice. And that's a good thing on a team full of superstars, but there was the sense that he didn't quite have the same, I don't know if control is the word I want to use, the same leadership quality as Darvinham. Like even just in, in press conferences, look, Frank Vogel, don't get me wrong. I like Frank Vogel a lot. Um, I've never seen anyone so good at diffusing questions. He just was never shaken in pre- I mean, there was a lot to get thrown at him this past season. And he just expertly sidestepped every single landmine that was put in his way. Um, very impressive in that, in that regard. Also very good defensive head coach, but Darvin ham, you listen to the man speak and you just think, Oh my gosh, I, I just want to, I want to run through a brick wall for this guy. What does he need me to do? Cause I'm going to do that. He is an incredible motivator. And I think that's going to be, a difference maker for the Lakers this season. Now we can also look at the system that'll try to run. He's going to try to bring some, some things in from his time with the Milwaukee Bucks, from the Budenholzer system, bring that over. And I think there could be some fits there as well, but in general, I think it's just the air around him, the confidence he exudes, the willingness for players to follow him. I do think there's going to be bumps in the road. He's a first time head coach mm-hmm. in a very difficult situation. That spotlight is going to be shining bright. So I'm not expecting smooth sailing right out of the gates, but I do think that his personality is one where he's going to get players on his side and going to get players to follow him and be that leader that I think they need 
from that coaching spot. So we'll see how it ultimately plays out again. First time head coach, but I was very much on board with this hire as most Lakers fans were. He was the favorite out of the, the people who were available to take on this head coach job. So let, let's go back to Russell Westbrook. At this point, he, I, I believe you just said it. It's at this point between Indiana and Utah. San Antonio could get into the mix too. They've got the cap space to do it if they wanted to. But we those are just the two we've been hearing the most is Indy and Utah. Yeah, and San Antonio, same idea. They're, they're really, you know, Iden Popovich is potentially last season, really blew it up and, you know, asset acquiring, essentially. We saw that with the DeJounte Murray trade. So the, the issue with the Spurs, though, I mean, do they really have anything that would appease the Lakers other than just eating the majority no. of Westbrook's deal? Like and that's, that's, that's part of, that's part of yeah. why you don't hear them mentioned as much. I mean, we've heard you could put it together, something like Josh Richardson. I like Josh Richardson, Doug McDermott. Again, I'm not saying they're, they're bad players, but um, just compared to what a potential Utah deal could be, what a potential Pacers deal could be, San Antonio was seen as a, as a distant third. You would get a pretty large trade exception if you were to do those two yeah. pieces. I, I think part of it, too, is most people see the Spurs as just an organization in general that would be loath to trade with the Lakers, given the you know, the static between the yeah. two sides in the, in the past. So that, I think that's a factor. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't personally buy into that tension of front offices and not wanting to trade in conferences. I mean, San Antonio's in a, I, I completely get what you're saying, but San Antonio's in a completely different spot mm-hmm. than they were, you know, handful of years ago when, you know, they would be up competing against the Lakers. But I'm looking at Indiana's cap sheet. So Buddy Heald has 18.9 million guaranteed next year. I mean, when the Lakers first, the night they acquired Westbrook during the 2020 draft, or yeah, 2020 draft, I actually really like the Buddy Heald fit. I mean, he's a LeBron teammate. He can he can adequately defend, really good shooter, and you know doesn't need the ball in his hands to really make a play. Good off ball movements is. I know we keep going back to this Indiana deal, but again, it's the only one I can really see happening. Are you okay with Buddy Heald eating into the majority? Again, you already said Kyrie Irving, that max cap space, a little short. Kyrie Irving did thread into the nets. Who knows how accurate or how serious he was being when he said he would play on the taxpayer MLA and when he said he was going to opt out. So maybe Kyrie would take less than a max, but... At this point, given Buddy Heald's fit, how well he would fit next to LeBron in AD, are you okay with eating that $18.9 million into that cap space? Yeah, because you also have to remember, it's not just going to be Buddy Heald. It would be, you would have to, you would assume if you're going to give up the kind of assets that Indiana would want, you would have to go into that with some sort of an understanding of Miles Turner that you're probably going to extend him. Uh, You're not going to want to go into a deal and say, hey, Miles Turner, we're trading for you. Maybe we'll work something out next summer. He's not the level of talent that you want to risk letting him walk away, particularly because I think the Lakers would see him as truly the centerpiece of the deal. I think Buddy Heald is a nice fit because they need three-point shooting, and that can certainly help you. Now, defensively, there's you know some concerns there. He's not going to be quite the level that you'd want, but the three-point shooting, I think he'd be fantastic for the Lakers. But from what we've heard, it's Miles Turner that they would really be interested in. So you'd be adding a Turner extension. Maybe he gets 20, 25 million, whatever it is, on this extension. So you've got that money that would be added to the books anyway. So with yeah, that so being the case, it, yeah, okay. yeah. So I'm not, I'm not going to worry about the future cap space if, if that's the case about blowing up the 30 or so million that they'll have uh, in 2023. Okay, so 
aside from Miles Turner, we just talked about, Bojan Bogdanovic, we mentioned as a trade target. Both those guys are free agents at 23-24. Again, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot. Is there anybody, if you can't get a Kyrie Irving, obviously I think Miles Turner would definitely be a target. Is there anybody else with that cap space that you can think of? Again, I know I'm putting you on the spot. I'm thinking of like maybe a Harrison Barnes or Jeremy Grant type. They're not mm-hmm. great fits, but maybe bring a Larry Nance Jr. back. I mean, the, the free agent class is pretty weak. So that's the issue. Cam Reddish, obviously the Lakers have had um, their eyes on for a while now at this point. So, Yeah, it's not a super deep free agent class. The Lakers have needed wings for a while. Harrison Barnes would certainly be an interesting one that could be out there. Uh, Andrew Wiggins and Cam Reddish. And you know what? Some of these guys, if the Lakers only have – 30 million, they might be priced out for like an Andrew Wiggins or, or someone like that. But there's some guys, hey, you can call back Kyle Kuzma and say, hey, come on, come on back to L.A. Same thing with Larry Nance Jr. Uh, there's a few other guys, Gary Trent Jr., uh, our old friend D'Angelo Russell. And some of these guys will have player options and, you know, team options and all kinds of things. But there's a handful of guys out there. That's that's the bottom line. But it's not like this is a star studded free agent class where there's like six guys at the top that everybody's gunning after. And some of these guys could wind up coming off the board before we even get to next summer when That's we talk, right. start talking about extensions and things like that. So you've already got, I don't know if it's quite as weak as this past summer's free agency class is, but it might be by the time we get there, once you start adding in extensions and things like that. So what, what do you anticipate happening? Again, I, I, I know that's a very vague question and anybody's guess. I mean, look at Donovan Mitchell. Everyone thought he was a lock to go to the next. I thought it was definitely happening. I thought when DeAndre Aiden signed with the Pacers, I thought it was a guarantee that Milestone was going to come off the board and go to Phoenix and sign and trade. So I just preface that to say what expect is, is that the trade you think is going to happen? The Indiana one, the Utah one? Do you think it's going to go into the season? Will it happen closer to the trade deadline? Yeah, I'm, I'm at a point now where I think most likely the Lakers go into the season with Russell Westbrook on the roster. It feels like the different opportunities they would have had to trade him have kind of slowly been shut down one by one. So like for a while, it was Kyrie Irving. And, and are the Lakers going to be able to get Kyrie Irving? And no, okay, they'll, they'll be willing to give up both picks to get Kyrie. And then that avenue, that, that door gets closed. Then it was going to be, okay, well, it's going to be a three-team trade. The Jazz and the Knicks and the Lakers are going to be in a three-team deal. Donovan Mitchell going to the Knicks. The Lakers are going to get some pieces from both those sides. Off they go. That door gets shut by Donovan Mitchell going to the Cavs instead. So the options have just been dwindling. And all along, the Lakers have been holding firm that they won't give up both first-round picks. Well, teams like the Pacers, teams like the Jazz, or anybody else the Lakers could trade with, if they're watching what's happening, they don't have any reason to come off of their demand for two first-round picks for the Lakers because the Lakers' options have only gotten smaller and smaller and smaller as the offseason has gone along. Meanwhile, if you're the Lakers, if you're going to hold firm to, hey, we're not going to pay that price, we'd rather roll the dice and find out, can Darvin Ham succeed somehow, even though it doesn't make sense on paper? Do we just give him a chance here? And then if we need to, December, January, we call these teams back up again and say, okay, now we'll come off of those two first-round picks if it really seriously does not work. So I think that's probably the path we're heading down at this point. Typically, Labor Day weekend, that's, it's not a deadline, but typically NBA teams want to have their rosters fairly well set by this point. So I think we're most likely headed down that path. But again, with the caveat that the Kevin Durant situation pushed back a lot of business in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So this isn't quite a normal offseason. 
So I wouldn't be surprised if some trade went down in the next week or two before the training camp starts up. But I just feel like with the way the options have been dwindling, it's more likely now that they just roll into the season with Russ on the roster and they give Darvin Ham a chance to try to make it work and then adjust from there as needed. So, okay, that, that basically covers the offseason at this point. So wh- what are your expectations for the Lakers this season? I mean, as you just said when you came on, last season was pretty insufferable for Lakers fans. So, I mean, sure, maybe they made some improvements. They went from significantly older than what they are now, as, you know, they took shots on guys like Lonnie Walker, Troy Brown Jr., JTA. Maybe the pieces fit a little better, but... I mean, the West is pretty stacked. I mean, I think both the West and the East, both from like one through nine are pretty stacked because so many teams are bottoming out for the 2023 class or whatever other reason. So, I mean, where do you think the Lakers just are in the Western Conference hierarchy? Because Denver's healthy now, Clippers are healthy now, Pelicans get Zion back. Oh, they they blew it last season. Last season was as forgiving as we've seen the West in 20 years. I mean, last season the West was rolling out the red carpet for anybody that wanted a playoff spot. And the Lakers said, no, no, thank you. We're not, we're not interested in competing for that. Um, And you saw it on a night to night basis. They just, they had no energy. Most nights, they didn't look like they wanted to be a competitive basketball team uh, on top of all the other things that were swirling around them and all the problems that they had. And, And of course, all of those things added up to a nightmare of a season, but as far as where they are, that's the challenge, right? No, without any trade, as they currently sit, the three point shooting is going to be a big problem. That's going to create issues uh, with them creating offense in the half court. They do want to try to get out and run as much as they can. But realistically, yeah, they, they took what worked last season, finding some young guys, unearthing some diamonds in the rough. Guys like last season, it was Stanley Johnson, Austin Reeves, Wenyan Gabriel, players, players like that that were able to come in and actually give them competent play compared to the veterans who largely couldn't. Uh, you know, Carmelo Anthony aside, and there were some flashes from a few guys here and there. But They've taken that model of let's find some of these younger players and let's bring them in and see if they can find success where they didn't on their previous stops. Troy Brown Jr. being an example of that. A lot of other guys as well. I think they're better than last season. I think, though, their ceiling is probably the sixth seed in the West, whereas if if I had to bet, I'd say they wind up as a play-in team. Mm -hmm. And that's not obviously where they want to be. They really need the roster, if you look at it, is screaming for a trade. I mean, they don't have enough wings. They don't have enough shooting. There's some issues there. They need to make a trade at some point. But if it stays as it currently sits, the status quo remains. Best case, we're probably looking at a six seed or so with them. Again, with most likely, they're probably looking at the play-in tournament once again. Yeah, I'm just looking at the West projected standings. I mean, you have Phoenix, Golden State, Denver, Memphis and the Clippers, I think, are definitely going to be the top five in some order. And then maybe the Lakers could get six over Dallas just because they lost Brunson. And as much as Luke is a one-man show, if you have AD healthy, then I That's think the, the Lakers... Uh, yeah, there's a scenario where if AD's healthy, I could see the Lakers getting that six over teams like the Mavs, the Pelicans, the T-Wolves, and the Blazers. Mm-hmm. So... Okay, let's say hypothetically they do that Indiana deal and they get healed and Turner. How much does that impact where they are? I mean, at that point, do you think they could jump any of those other five teams? Yeah, I think they could. I think that if you see, particularly if some injuries start to start to pile up, I think that gives them enough. Like if you put Anthony Davis and Miles Turner together, potentially you could have the best two defensive bigs on the floor in the NBA. 
right? That, that could yeah. be the best defensive big pairing in the entire league. And so to have that, in addition to the shooting that Buddy Heald gives you, I think it makes a lot of other things click and it opens up some things uh, for other players. And so I think then you're looking at, okay, maybe they could be a four seed. You know, if, if a Denver or the Clippers or whoever, right? Maybe the Clippers aren't pushing down on the gas pedal all season long and they're resting some players. In Denver, they're you know taking it easy with Jamal Murray and they're trying to be careful as they should. Michael Porter Jr. Maybe then you're, you can be in that mix as opposed to you're just, kind of outclassed on most nights because not only do you not quite have the depth and the talent that you need, but you also, as currently, as it currently sits, the team doesn't fit together like they should. I think a guy like a Miles Turner, a guy like Buddy Heald, if you want to do Boyan Bogdanovich, some of those pieces too, it just makes the roster fit together a little bit more, which I think would equate to a few more wins by the end of the season. Yeah, and again, I know you said you expect the Lakers going to the year with the Westbrook. Maybe by the trade deadline, they could pull something off. They're, again, much more well-equipped for the playoffs, at least. Um, and hopefully, for their sake, they could avoid the plan. So I, I did, this for this year, minute projections for each team. I've since updated it since the Patrick Beverly trade. And again, I, I know it's kind of hard just to minutes vary based off injuries and everything like that. I'm going to read you my Lakers 10-man rotation. You could kind of tell me where you think it stands, whether you think it's accurate. Again, I know there's a lot of new moving pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, So, again, just a silly thing I did, but let's see what we have. I have the starting lineup of Westbrook and Pat Bev with LeBron AD and Thomas Bryant. I have Westbrook 32 minutes, which honestly might be a little ambitious given he probably won't be in the closing lineup. Pat Bev 28 LeBron 35, AD 34, and Thomas Bryant 25. Mm-hmm. Then I have Kendrick Nunn and Austin Reeves, the first two off the bench, which is kind of an issue because they're both guards. But I have them at 24 and 23 minutes each. Lonnie Walker with 18 minutes. Juan Toscano Anderson with 13, and then Damian Jones with nine. So again, I, I know I just kind of threw that at you. But I mean, is that relatively an accurate depiction of, I mean, that, that will be Troy Brown Jr., Max Christie, and Wendell Gabriel on the outside looking in, plus the two-way guys. Yeah, that, that's not unreasonable. We've heard that um, Darvin Ham has already kind of prepared some ideas for how to use Westbrook and Patrick Beverly together. Skill set-wise, they actually fit together quite Pretty nicely, I, I think, but the size is the concern. So like it, when I did my own projections, I actually have Austin Reeves starting over Patrick Beverly, but that's okay. not, that's by far not not set in stone at all and you can make an argument to go either direction um i think that that's perfectly reasonable as far as the number of minutes that you've got in there that rotation that could very well wind up being what they're looking at on on opening night if uh if the roster stays the same what's your best guess of what the closing lineup would be um i'm thinking it would probably be patrick beverly obviously lebron james anthony davis yeah. those guys would be in there I would be predicting AD at the five. So that would put LeBron at the floor at the four. You'd put Austin Reeves in due to his versatility, his ability to defend. And then your, your last spot probably would wind up going to just whoever's hot. And if it's, you know, Lonnie Walker has it going. Okay. You could put him into the mix. If it's uh, Troy Brown jr. If he happens to be really connecting as a three and D player, you could add him in there. Um, Kendrick Nunn is also an interesting guy that, that could go in there. That can give you that floor spacing to close to close games. I always want to try to put out a roster that's as versatile as possible on both ends of the floor that can adapt to any kind of chaos that gets thrown in 
to the end of the game. And so I think some type of grouping like that, if it's a Kendrick non Patrick Beverly, you're a little bit small there in the backcourt, but that might give you the floor spacing that you need as well, along with Austin Reeves, LeBron, Anthony Davis. That's my best guess right now. But just mm-hmm. like last year, this they never figured out last year what their closing lineup is. Hell, they had 41 different starting lineups last year. Mm-hmm. So they never even figured out a starting lineup last year. So it's kind of a similar feeling in that you look at this roster and it's not obvious who's going to be in the starting five or who's going to close things out because there's a lot of players that, and this is what happens when you have a lot of veteran minimum guys where you just don't really know who's going to click and who isn't. And that's going to go a long way towards determining what that pecking order really is. I really like the idea of, as you just said, the versatility of the closing lineup, Juantas Gano Anderson playing. Yes. Because he did do some, he did play some small ball five for Golden State, backing up Draymond last year. Good passer, could do all the dirty work. I think that's a pretty, I mean, not ideal for the Lakers, but I'm saying given compared to what they were working with last year, having, again, I know Juantas Gano Anderson's a minimum guy, but. Relatively, I think that's much better with what they were working with this past year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, um, that's that's totally fair, particularly with with ver- versatility is what you're really going for. Yeah, JTA gives you a lot of that, that switchability on the defensive end, good slasher, all of that. Okay, so we have the Lakers probably as a playing team. Do you have an exact record for them you want to give? I don't, as, I, I don't, say, I don't have it all worked out yet. Okay, okay. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I think the over-under might be like 41, 42 think, wins yeah, or something. something. Right. So, I mean, I would probably be somewhere in there. They probably wind up being like a 500, you know, 40, 41 wins right in there would be my my projection. And then what do you think of the Le- Le- LeBron extension? I mean, he signed it and I-, I read that. I don't know if he specifically said it. I can't imagine him saying it, but basically there was nowhere else for him to really go. I mean, every team that had significant cap space this summer, is a rebuilding or tanking team. And obviously LeBron's not going to go to a situation like that until his son is in the league. Then at that point, maybe he'd be willing to. So, I mean, at, at this point, you locked in LeBron James, you have him and Anthony Davis under contract next year. And then, as I said, there's some flexibility um, moving forward after that, depending what they do with Westbrook. So, I, I mean, good move, right? I mean, it's oh, yeah. tough to say a top three, four player of all time, locking him in. Even at the high level he's playing at at age 38, it has to be considered a W. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's given them, I mean, not only is he one of the one of the all-time greats, but it gives you certainty moving forward. You don't, you know, you're not getting questions in January about, hey, what's going to ha- are you going to sign that extension, LeBron? What's going to happen? You know, he you got rid of that whole situation. That's done. It, it's signed. It's finished. And also on from a commitment standpoint, LeBron showed that he's committed to the Lakers for at least the next two seasons. Then he'll have a player option. The Lakers can build out their roster knowing that, okay, we're going to have LeBron for at least the next two seasons. And then we'll see where things go from there. And then you've also got the Lakers and their, their ability to perhaps sacrifice some of those future assets now with that certainty. I think that's important. Plus the, the trade leverage. I mean, there were a lot of rumors about other teams, the Pacers, the Jets, whoever it is that was trying to trade with the Lakers. were basically hoping that LeBron would not sign the extension until the Lakers made some type of splashy trade that LeBron would hold that over the Lakers and that would weaken their bargaining power. Well, that's gone. Now you, you know, LeBron is already locked in. He's signed in. Teams can't say you have to give us both first. Otherwise LeBron's not going to sign. No, that's, that's done. That's set. LeBron's on board. And then the Lakers can move forward and they're there with uh, their negotiations. It, it might not make a huge difference, but that was a narrative that was out there. 
Okay. Trevor, thank you so much for coming on today. Is there anything, again, Trevor is the host of the Lakers Nation pod and the um, NBA front office pod along with Keith Smith. Trevor, is there anything else you'd like to plug? Uh, just check out the LakersNation.com YouTube channel and the NBA front office YouTube channel. That's where we post most of our work as well as our, our podcast, which you can find over on Apple Podcasts. Okay, you guys could follow me on Twitter at BirdRightsPod. As I said, I believe this is the fifth team we covered so far this offseason, so we still have a long way to go. But thank you guys for listening. Rate and review me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and listen wherever you get your podcast. I will talk to you guys next episode. Summer in free agency. I think he could have got a lot more in the offseason. Uh, you got a chance to secure the bag. You got a CGA, man. No question. Yeah.